0: Hello, let me introduce myself. I'm Elizabeth Bailey, and I've been an Archer's listener for more than half a century. In real life, I'm married to an actual Nigel, who himself spent a lot of last year entirely safely on the roof of our home building a dormer window. By day, I have held down a long and varied career in national and local government, and have recently published a book from my midlife doctorate. In this chapter, I explore some overlaps between my abiding academic interests and my Archer's fandom. Chapter 3. Archer's Fandom and the Online Public Sphere Introduction I can out myself as someone who has listened to the Archer's since early childhood. So in my case, from the late 1960s. Like my somewhat passive support for Liverpool Football Club, and a harder fascination, after listening to years of my parents' bickering with why people find it so difficult to talk about politics without losing their cool, this has stayed with me well into middle age. In my book, Political Participation on Social Media, The Lived Experience of Online Debate 2021, published during the COVID-19 pandemic, I explore the last of these childhood preoccupations through the accounts of people in the United Kingdom who have taken part in political debates on social media. That book attempted to pick apart some of the confluence of factors, ranging from ideology to physiology and from nature to culture, which meet to shape online political discussion. It is based on the real-life accounts of 85 people and contains an untypical amount of swearing for an academic monograph. You might already be asking yourself at this point what this has to do with Archer's fandom. A surprising amount as it happens. Issues of identity, emotion, behavioural influences and what contours who we are all play into both social practices. While automated processes may, to some extent, direct what we view and how, often by way of biased algorithms, The world of online exchange is an infinitely complicated space. It is steered by numerous hard-to-quantify variables interacting. In my book, I show how online political behaviour has very personal, social and emotional roots. Everyday political practices are complex, messy and woven into everyday life. The political conversation of everyday participants takes place socially, between school runs, after a few beers, amid tough bereavements and divorces, around joyful wedding plans and Eid celebrations, and sometimes in the bath. Further, it is a constellation of human factors which make this environment often difficult, dangerous, unpredictable and counterintuitive, but also an unprecedented communal learning environment. Bailey, 2021. The same can apply to our online Archer's fandom. We can view Ambridge as a microcosm of society. Politics per se are rarely discussed directly, but our fandom and critical analysis of the show encourages tribalism or side-taking around particular characters, or suggests which Archer's satellite groups we might join. The online public sphere. What is new about our archers fandom in the 21st century is the extent to which it takes place online in particular on social media in the cyber agora of the online public sphere central to our understanding of the public sphere in the political sense are the ideas of German philosopher and sociologist Jürgen Habermas Habermas's ideas underlie a widely held understanding that public debate in matters of politics should be orderly and directional, a critical deliberative experience, primarily serving the needs of decision-making. Habermas's ideas about deliberative democracy continue to be an influential benchmark. The emergence of the internet and social media as locations for political debate have led to many assessments of their having the right conditions to be public spheres of Habermas's type. This endures despite the concept of a rational, deliberative public sphere having been broadly criticised by Nancy Fraser, 1987, as coming from a particular hegemonic perspective, with significant exclusions. Habermas projects a vision of the public sphere which by implication privileges the style of the status quo, and perhaps serves to marginalise and devalue more complex and messy everyday political expression. Further, it might implicitly demand behaviour at which we are hardwired to fail, repeatedly. As Peter Dahlgren has noted, its rationalist bias excludes communicative modes including the affective, poetic, humorous and ironic, which are enduring aspects of public political discourse. Further, it downplays power relations built into such communicative situations. Dahlgren cites Cohn's pertinent observation that reasonableness is itself a social construction usually benefiting those already in power. Cohn 2000, Dahlgren 2005. The effective, humorous and ironic aspects of public discourse infuse fandom, which in itself can be seen as a political assertion. This thing matters to us. It speaks to us and for us. It has been noted, not least in this volume, that fandom is actually about a range of things, shared taste and personal convictions, individual subjectivity and wider community. Like political practice, fandom does not exist wholly in private nor solely in public, but is in a process of continual negotiation between the two. Habermas's concept of the public sphere suggests that shared spaces of discussion By definition, have political consequences, making the crossing of the private-public boundary a political act in itself. Sandvoss, 2015. The Archers fandom has spawned multiple subgroups, from cats to cooking, from dogs to dating, including the straightforward Archers political. But the Archers is in itself very political, a weather vane for attitudinal change from everything from the politics of the family and food to those of social stratification. What seeps through in a fandom that can too often be ordered and suppressed in establishment politics is the organic and the random, the more unpredictable human and visceral factors that lead us. But what are these? Fandom and social media. We are in the academic archers group as we are in our political tribes because in some key respects, we are alike. There are things about the archers that draw us all in. This is an aspect of homophily, assortative mixing, or the fact that birds of a feather stick together. Personal networks are often homogeneous in the socio-demographic, behavioral, and intrapersonal traits. It is because people become like their friends through social influence, and they tend to make links with similar others through selection. Crandall et al. 2008 This limits people's social environments in ways that have significant implications around information gathering, attitude formation and people's interactions. McPherson et al. 2001 It exerts significant effects across social media, particularly in things like politics. This phenomenon can now be quantified easily through digital data storage and shows how a network surrounding contexts can drive the formation of its links. Easley and Kleinberg, 2010 The high similarity among users close to each other in a social network suggests those with similar interests are more likely to be friends and that metadata can predict social links. Social networks constructed from topical similarity do capture real friendship accurately. Aiello et al. 2012 Homophily is so strong a predictor that entire communities on Facebook can be modelled by extrapolating from a fifth of the population. Mislove et al. 2010 Researchers analysing music channel data could predict real friendships by comparing interaction, interests and location online. Bischoff 2012 The Archers has spawned groups as varied as Archers' Cats and Archers' Singles precisely because we believe we can infer things from fandom. And yet even within closely linked groups, people will find ways to differentiate themselves and show themselves in a good light. This is called group polarisation. You exemplify the values of a group, but to an extreme degree. Performativity We now understand well that we perform aspects of our identity. For example, a lot of gender expression is learned then repeated. Or, we can perform being middle class by shopping at a certain supermarket, or buying a certain kitchen range. The idea of performativity, or the capacity of speech or communication, not simply to communicate, but also to fulfil an action, or to construct identity through discourse, has been widely applied to understand everyday behaviour in relation to social norms or habits. It offers a useful prism through which to view online political chat or fandom. Fandom is not just for popular or high culture. It can adhere to any media property, notes Penny Andrews, 2020. What makes a fan part of a fandom is the sense of community and identity that comes from purposefully joining in. Social media acts as an intensifier, and the fans are the people you hear most often and associate most with a cultural property in the digital dissensus. Some aspects of online political behaviour would be performative, for example around identity and values. People present themselves in particular ways to demonstrate certain things, such as membership of an in-group, or to present themselves in a positive political light. People can also signal and perform their Archer's Fandom membership. For example, making repetitive jokes about trying to listen to missing Friday night episodes during lockdown. By saying X is my new favourite character. The more absurd the choice, the funnier. By the compulsory inclusion of the tragic scruff, a departed pet dog, in all online polls, no matter what the question. And by the sexual illusion of being taken up Lakey Hill. Irving Goffman's ideas have enjoyed a recent revival among researchers given their pertinence to online behaviour, Hogan, 2010. Goffman's 1959, The Presentation of Self in Everyday Life, the classic early sociological examination of face-to-face interaction, describes this process as dramaturgical. Goffman argued that people steer the impression they make on others by adjusting aspects of their situation, appearance and demeanour. In some online situations, the nuance with which one presents oneself can be a matter of averting harm. The development of online personas has been well studied, and social interactionist theory has been used to explain how people develop a sense of self through interaction with others. Robinson, 2007. Hogan suggests the way people self-present online can be divided into performance in synchronous situations, and artefacts in asynchronous exhibitions. While Goffman's dramaturgical approach uses situation-based ideas about front and backstage, social media, Hogan asserts, uses exhibitions, for instance, status updates and photos, alongside situational activity, like commenting. Distinct to exhibitions is the virtual curator, mediating, managing and distributing content, Hogan, 2010. An analysis of online identity creation shows people recreate their offline self online but edited. Behaviour and emotion Online political behaviour shows distinctive characteristics, widely understood and mentioned in everyday conversation. These include phenomena such as polarisation, echo chamber formation, extreme incivility and social boundary breaching. Many people have encountered these and can often label them. People learn quickly to name their own behaviour and that of others, symptomatic of an eclectic type of viral learning, some of which is sophisticated. Knowing that someone's behaviour displays Dunning-Kruger effect, Dunning 2011, or is a reductio ad absurdium argument, can help with both self-insight and point scoring. This behaviour and the vernacular sociology which accompanies it can also be observed in Archer's fan groups. The crude sexualisation of characters is taken as edgy humour by some, but will prompt a blocking from others, no doubt earning a dismissal of virtue signalling. We are fans and we engage in political arguments spurred on by emotions. Scriptwriters know that they can draw us in with a storyline that triggers an emotional response, especially if it polarises us. Likewise, social media makes a profit when we argue. More traffic and more content translates into more data and more advertising revenue. They want us to be emotional. It is worth remembering here that there is no one consensus around what emotion is. Sarah Ahmed, 2013, argues that emotions are cultural practices rather than psychological states. Emotions have effective power and can shape how we live our lives. They can include or exclude people from communities and can influence collective politics and build identities, for instance. Lisa Feldman Barrett's 2017 theory of constructed emotion says that emotions are not triggered but that you create them. They are generated by physical processes an adaptive and plastic brain, the culture that surrounds us and the way we have been brought up, all of which give environmental clues. If, like many of us do, one feels anger over Philip Moss's involvement in modern slavery, why do you specifically? Likely a very subjective mixture of reasons and also peer influence. If fellow fans were prepared to dismiss it as just one of those things, you might be surprised by the extent to which that tempered your own emotion. Physicality We now know surprising facts about how basic physiology shapes our political behaviour. Some factors driving behaviour are now understood to be hardwired and our need to satisfy innate and visceral drives is an underlying mechanism that is effectively exploited by platform developers. Williams, 2018 However, in achieving this, the law of unintended consequences has played a role, as online spaces also allow a free rein to fast-thinking base urges and incivility. I am not here waving a flag for biological determinism, nor are the neuroscientists pioneering this sort of work. But what we are, without a doubt, shapes the way we behave, and often before we are aware of it. The structure of the brain, For example, amygdala size does seem, by roundabout routes, to influence people's political leanings, in that a physical inclination towards greater fear can lead to more conservative attitudes, for instance. The chemistry of the brain and endocrine system, the workings of dopamine, serotonin, cortisol, oxytocin and the like, play a role in our political behaviour and our fandom. The opening bars of the theme tune do trigger a physical response in your body and brain, and it is possible to capture this through imaging. The neuroscience of Archer's fandom is yet to emerge as a discipline, so far as I know, but it would be fascinating to explore. Why do some of us feel disgust towards Alice Carter, and others a motherly compassion? Likely a complex mix of the way we are built, how we have been socialised, and our own life experiences. Conclusion What do we do about Alice? Given the insights explored very briefly above, how might we use them to pass online discussion around the hot topic of mid-pandemic, the gradual life collapse of the increasingly alcohol-dependent Alice? Discussion around Alice often polarises opinion. Is she a spoiled, privileged individual who needs to pull herself together? Or is she a victim of gene markers meeting a permissive enabling environment and pushing her towards a grisly fate? We all seem to have an opinion. How commenters frame their opinions gives insights into their own life experience, their breadth and depth of knowledge and their wider attitudes. It is all valuable information and I believe over time pushes us towards collective understanding. The process can be painful however. Discussion on social media can become brutal. If you have lost a family member to alcohol dependency, as I have, social media pundits decrying lazy, self-indulgent drunks can offer a bit of a prod to the amygdala. By day, my work in public health has educated me about the complexity of substance dependency. The experience of researching my book, however, has made me more circumspect about wading in for a fight where I can cause distress and fail to convince. I know now that I can rely on others to do that. Overall, I believe the behavioural frontier of social media presents a process of learning and development in which we are all playing a small part through our individual practice. Readers may be familiar with Tuckman's model of group development, the idea of forming, storming, norming and performing. Tutman, 1965. It's a good one to which to refer here, whether for understanding political debate, fandom, or learning about the changing nature of rural life. We are all somewhere on a journey, and learning is always worthwhile. Acknowledgements: Thanks are given to Katrina Finlayson and Haley Jean Martin for reading this draft and making suggestions for improvement.